start? Seven o'clock. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. Uh, welcome to Position of Neutrality. Welcome to New Freedom. We open every meeting of Position of Neutrality with a prayer, and Chaplain Lee is in the house. Come on and stand to your feet all over the room. Father, we thank you. We thank you for tonight. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for just allowing us into your presence. We ask you, Lord, on tonight that you will just speak through your manservant as he prepares to bring step two to each and every one that's in this room. God, we know, Lord, we can't do it without you, so we thank you in advance for what you're about to do. We thank you for our peace. We thank you for our sanity. We thank you for our joy, and we give you all the glory. We ask you tonight that you will just have your way in this place, and we thank you in advance for what you're getting ready to do. In the mighty name of Jesus, we give you all the praise. Let everyone say amen. amen. Thank you, chap. I'm supposed to give a shout out. Help me out, Brian. St. Obispo, California. We owe a shout out to the men in Douglas, Mojave Unit. I'm told we have some friends in Kingman, if you could yell for them. And uh, just so you know, if you haven't been here before, or you haven't heard us tell you we're on all 33,000 tablets. So. Just a shout out to anyone we didn't shout out. Uh, and we're, we're also on the 7,500 tablets for men and women in the Maricopa County Jail. So if you, they like to know that you guys are here and you're preparing the atmospherics for them to come join you in this whole get our lives back and take our communities back and just keep trucking, right? Yeah. Um, tonight, we're going to take a look at step two. How many of you have been here before? Well, most of you. Good. Okay, for those of you who have not been here before, step two is your encounter. The, the authors say we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So what I'm going to endeavor to do is show you the author's experience of that encounter and what led them to enter into this process of coming to believe, coming to believe in a meaningful way in the healing I desperately need from whatever affliction that I have is a process. Does that make sense? And the only way I'm going to enter into a process is I can examine it with my logical senses and I can move into this process consciously based on an experience that would lead me to believe that I was going to get the outcome promised. Yes? Does this make logical sense? So I'm going to jump over right away to a chapter, chapter four entitled We Agnostics. Who is we in this book? The first 100. Yes? And then they're going to tell us a little bit about their 
demographics throughout the reading. And we'll see if we can sort of put ourselves in their place and fi figure out where we fit in the starting demographic, because the idea is to come out with the outcome they came out with. They, were, they had a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body from which they re recovered, yeah? Okay, so it says in the preceding chapters, you've learned something of alcoholism. So how many of you have read the book a little bit? Did you learn something of alcoholism? Okay. <laughs> you didn't learn it from the book, did you? <laughs> to, to her point, how many of you learned a lot more about alcoholism through lived experience and the book started to make sense of it for you? Okay, good point. We hope we've made clear the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. Have they made clear that distinction? So a lot of people may not know if they haven't seen this done, had someone explained, but they said there was only one symptom that we had in common. We may have many similarities, but if we're this alcoholic, the hopeless variety, we have one symptom in common. What is that? Do you agree with them? Yeah, I, I have what may be the manifestation of an allergy. When I put alcohol in my body, I have this abnormal reaction. It doesn't happen to everybody else. It may be the manifestation of an allergy. Any drinkers here? When you drank, did you find that it energized you? Yes. It's a sedative. So that would be an abnormal reaction to a sedative, wouldn't it? Where's my methamphetamine addict? Did you find that stuff calmed you down? Need I say more? You're, kind of, you're, you're roughly with it? Where's my opiate addicts? Oh, I'm seeing opiate and methamphetamine hands. We must, must have been doing some speed balls. So, When you, when you were out of whatever you were running on in the opiate lane, did everybody think you were sick? And then when you got hooked up again, everyone thought you were suddenly well? Don't you think that's an abnormal reaction to a powerful sedative such as heroin? Yeah? Okay, so that's the one symptom we have in common. We have this seemingly abnormal reaction to these substances. If we're, does it make sense? So that's the distinction. So then it says, test yourself, because we'll lie to ourselves. If, when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, or if, when drinking, you have little control over the amount you take, you're probably alcoholic. So they didn't differentiate between the two. They just said one of the other. How many of you found it difficult to stop and stay stopped? A good percentage of you. How many of you felt like you needed to get stopped because you lost all control once you started and it got you in some pickles? Which of them did you get first? They kind of, they kind of blend together after a while. Okay, well... 
Either way, if one of those two are true or both of those are true, if that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. So they want to tell you that right up front. It's entirely possible if those things are true for you, you are going to require a spiritual experience to overcome your addiction. And they want to tell you that right up front because I can already feel the energy. Some people going, ooh, right? That's intended because if I don't know what that looks like or I think I've rejected it or I'm afraid of it, that's not good news because I'm definitely the guy who needs it. I got both of those symptoms. I can't stop and stay stopped very good, and when I take it, I don't even look for control. Okay, so it says, to one who feels he's an atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible. So now they're talking to whoever, where the energy sunk. To one who feels they're atheist or agnostic, that experience may seem impossible, but to continue as he is means disaster. So is that true for anybody who has difficulty with belief, but the way things are going, something needs to change, okay? Especially if he's an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. How many of you have read it enough to think you might be? Alcoholic, drug addict, hopeless variety. So it says to be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. Sean is chuckling at something that is really not terribly funny when we're in it. How many of you found yourself in a hopeless place as a result of your addiction, and then somebody pointed out some spiritual approach, and you're like, oh, no. So those of you that are students of that other book, the teacher walked up to the man at the well and he said, do you want to get well? That's what they're asking us. That's what they're asking us. I got to pick something and an alternative is not a choice. One's already on. I'm already in the hopeless variety. I am wrecking this train if I don't get off of it. Does it make sense? Okay. So then it says, but it isn't so difficult. About half our original fellowship were of exactly that type. So the first 100's their original fellowship, so about half were what type? Atheists or agnostics. Declared. I don't believe God exists, or I don't believe God can be proven to exist. What did that other half have to be then? People with some religious beliefs that they were still dying in their addiction. Apparently... They had this belief, but not this belief. Does it make sense? Okay. So it says, at first some of us tried to avoid the issue, hoping against hope we were not true alcoholics. Any of you run and gun for a while, hoping that you were going to come out of it eventually? I ain't that bad yet. But after a while, we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. Anybody? Says perhaps it's going to be that way with you. Notice how they have no earnestness to persuade you. We're not here to persuade you. We're here to bear witness to you what the power's done for me when I found myself where perhaps you've now found yourself. 
and I once thought and felt as you do, but I doubt I'd made much progress had I not taken action. This is the action I took. This is what I experienced as a result. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So it says, but cheer up. Something like half of us thought we were atheists or agnostics. Our experience shows that you need not be disconcerted. So they're separating. Where's the main problem of the addict, the alcoholic? Sinners in the mind. So they thought they were one thing, but they had an experience that changed their mind. How many of you once thought one thing and then had an experience that changed your mind? So based on this encounter and then the following decision and then the indicated actions following the decision, they went from unbelievers to believers, but not believers in theology. God the subject of my experience, not the object of my belief. Does that make sense? Because the experience changes my mind, not the preaching. Does that make sense? Not only does the experience change my mind, it changes everything else. Yes? Okay. So it says, if a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered long ago. How many of you tried changing the rules? <laughs> Just before this, an attack of the enemy, one of the execs here sends me a text on smart recovery. And I'd love to be supportive of that kind of foolishness, but people die. It would work really well if I had the ability to cognitively reason when I was in full-blown addiction, but I do not. Reason didn't matter to me, but I digress. Um, but we found that such codes and philosophies did not save us no matter how much we tried. How many of you set rules for yourself, blew right through the rules? So we're right on track with them, right? We could wish to be moral. We could wish to be philosophically comforted. In fact, we could will these things with all our might, but the needed power wasn't there. Our human resources, as marshaled by the will, were not sufficient. They failed utterly. So what the authors are witnessing, too, is that my main problem centers in my mind and the solutions found deep down inside, which we're going to discover shortly. We're going to look at that. And what they're trying to get us to see is that what I really need is I've got these storms going on within me. And have you ever had that happen? Like thought loops that bring about emotional disturbances and you just can't get out of them. Has that ever happened to any of you? They said what they discovered is they needed a power that would philosophically comfort them. Never been able to do that with an external substance for long, although I found some philosophical comfort in alcohol and other drugs. But it also had consequences. Do you understand what I'm talking about? You ever been in a really bad situation and you got high and it wasn't as bad? Tell it was, yeah. So, lack of power, that was our dilemma. So I need power, and I need a power that will philosophically comfort me, and 
it really can't be from out there because I'm discovered that's not working. Anybody? Okay. So we had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves, which is why we chuckle at smart recovery. I'm not mad at them, but the same mind that's never going to use again, no matter what, it's not safe, not even one. By noon, I, perhaps I've overreacted. Anybody? So it's going to have to be greater than that thinker. Because I'll not only do it again, I'll convince you I meant to and it was fun. So obviously, but where and how will we define this power? So we better not leave you in a lurch. Let's go to 55 and let's see where and how they found the power. I tipped you off a little. So I'm in the middle of that page 55. It said, actually, we were fooling ourselves. So who's the we? The first 100. For deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. Oh, good. You're right on it. So they've told me where I'm going. Where am I going? And then everyone else in here, either man, woman, or child? Some combination thereof? Right? So in every one of us, by their witness, inside of us, is the fundamental idea of God. Now, I've heard it taught, you should just write down in your second step what you would like God to be. But that's not what they said, is it? What is a fundamental idea? It's probably a purpose. Before you create anything, you had a purpose in mind for what you were creating, didn't you? So they're not saying that your idea is down inside you. They said God's idea for you is inside you. Does that make sense? You need to get that because regardless of what you believe, part of your experience is going in and meeting that power. And when you encounter the power... You'll also encounter your purpose. Does that make sense? Okay. So it says, it may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things, but in some form or other, it's there. For faith in a power greater than ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are facts as old as man himself. We finally saw that faith in some kind of God was a part of our makeup just as much as the feeling we have for a friend. Sometimes we had to search fearlessly, but he was there. So they've told me where, where am I going? And how am I looking? Sometimes I'm gonna have to search fearlessly. And they're pulling no punches now. They said that my consciousness of it, my awareness of being aware of that power in and on my life has been obscured by calamity, pomps, worships. Any of you have maybe some kind of a tough start in life? People mistreated you? Or maybe you mistreated yourself? Those are calamities. Things start going wrong and they just keep going wrong. Any of you 
Write that song. Okay. Pomp. Do you get that? We don't use that word all the time. For me, when good things were happening, I did it. And when bad things were happening, y'all did it. And then worship of other things, you should get. What's her name? Yeah, it might be a her. It might be a pipe. Might be a syringe. Might be a bottle. But you can't call where addiction took us anything less than a worship, can you? I laid everything on the altar. No one had to take it from me. Here. Yeah? Okay. So, it says he was as much a fact as we were. So in this process, after this encounter, they've already told you you're going to have this experience. We're going to talk through their testimony about what that experience looks like next. Does that make sense? But now, from now on, if you really want to come to believe in a power greater than you, it isn't a group of drunks, it isn't a door knob, it isn't a light bulb, it's not any of the crap you've ever heard in our fellowships. It is power to live found inside you, and your consciousness of that power to live has been obscured, and we're going to take a look at those things in order to get a little bit more bubble going on in you. Yeah? Okay. All right. It says in the last analysis, it's only there that he may be found. It was so with us. So that's their testimony. So now I'm back on page 45, and it says, well, that's exactly what this book is about. What's that? They ask the question, where and how will we define this power? And then they're telling me now that's exactly what the book is about because I got a room with a lot of methamphetamine addicts in here. I never want to leave you waiting too long. We go to the answer and then we walk it out because otherwise y'all start taking things apart and stuff. <laughs> All right, so its main object, the book's main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself which will solve your problem. Huh. Well, it's not in the book, it's in you. The power in you will solve your problem. What problem? Every problem. Right? That's why it's a manner of living. It's not a one and done. Okay. So, it says that that means we've written a book which we believe to be spiritual as well as moral. And it means, of course, that we're going to talk about God. Right on it. Good stuff. If you guys haven't been here before, when I say God, they say say power. Because... For us, it's interchangeable. I'm waiting for that experience. Once I have the experience of power, then God will let me know what it's to be called. Okay. So then it says here, difficulty arises with agnostics. So some of you are hearing all this, and all of it makes sense so far, but keep a distance, right? Keep my smart recovery app warmed up. Um, Many times we talk to a new man and watch his hope rise as we discuss his, discuss his alcoholic problems and explain our fellowship. Back then they were really careful to differentiate between our fellowships and our programs. And now they're used interchangeably, so be careful how you talk to people because it's really deceiving. You're not in the program because you're in a seat, no matter how regularly you're in a seat in a room. The program is in the book. It's described in detail what they did 
what they experienced as a result, what they were like, what happened, what they're like now. Does that make sense? And then we go to the rooms when we're in the manner of living and we share that experience to lift others up. Does that make sense? Okay. So it says, but his face falls when we speak of spiritual matters, especially when we mention God. For we've reopened a subject which our man thought he had neatly evaded or entirely ignored. How many of you can relate to that? I'm doing better. I'm not picking up no matter what. I don't need all them other steps. I'm just one stepping away from the bar. And the same thing happens if you go to the religious way. I'm going to one step to Jesus. And, and if it hasn't worked before... I don't disagree that it can be done, but I'm telling you, I have an obligation to give credit to the power that restored me and bear witness through my testimony in my talk and my walk that I was this, that happened, and now I'm that. And if I don't do that, the schemes will come back and I'll be in trouble. And I've proven it. Okay. All right. So says we know how he feels. So no one's casting shade on anybody. We understand people that don't understand things like to pretend we understand things. And we always like to understand it before we experience it, which is impossible. However, we still want it. We have shared his honest doubt and prejudice. So if you're new and any of this is intriguing but spooky your only obligation to yourself not to us to you is to share your honest doubt and prejudice with one of us who is known by this power and we will be happy to take the mystery out of it for you some of us have been violently anti-religious anybody like that where does that violence come from i know but where do you experience it Deep down inside, right where the battle is. Perfect. Thank you, Irish. I don't want to call you detox in here, brother. <laughs> to others, the word God brought up a particular idea of him which someone had tried to impress them during childhood. How many of you had an overdose of religion and it didn't go for you because you didn't experience it as kind as perhaps you thought it ought to be based on the teaching? Okay. Perhaps we rejected this particular conception because it seemed inadequate. How many of you perhaps didn't like that there was only one way and you wanted to look for other ways? Some people from some traditions, that's, that's a trip, right? Okay. With that rejection, we imagined we'd abandoned the God idea entirely. Good deal. We were bothered with the thought that faith... And dependence upon a power beyond ourselves was somewhat weak, even cowardly. Any of you ever been bothered with the thought about dependence on something outside of you made you weak? So that's a common experience, right? And then it says, we looked upon this world of warring individuals, warring theological systems, and inexplicable calamity with deep skepticism. When I start to see the inhumanity of man to man and I start to see all the things going on in the world and then I'm being told about this loving 
relationship that I can be in and I haven't experienced it in a meaningful way, it doesn't seem realistic, does it? We looked at askance at many individuals who claim to be godly. How many of you have encountered people in settings that made you not too hip to hang with them cats? So they're going to ask some questions. And when you go through this, do yourself a favor. Ask, you may not use these exact words, but ask yourself these questions because... It's the kind of thinking that came to them, and you've got to see where it fits with you. Does that make sense? So it says, how could a supreme being have anything to do with it all? Question mark. And who could comprehend a supreme being anyhow? Any of you ever thought such things? Then it says, yet in other moments, we found ourselves thinking when enchanted by a starlit night, who then made all this? So take yourself there. You ever been out in nature and seen something so amazing that it almost felt like an out-of-body experience? Like you're watching yourself watching something and something's moving in you because of the majesty of it all. You had that experience? They said there was a feeling of awe and wonder, but it was fleeting and soon lost. Have you had such a thing? A feeling of awe and wonder? Like, there's got to be something more because I'm getting to see this. And then it went away as you got back into worldly clamors. I got to get make sure we, everyone gets it because not everyone seems there with me. How many of you have been in a dangerous situation in your life? I should see more hands. <laughs> when you were at most in danger, in a wreck, in a fight, whatever... Did you notice that time seemed to slow down? When that happened, you experienced your consciousness. Somebody's letting that sink in. Who's felt that? Okay. That's one of these names that we're going to give you. How about uh, anyone athletic in here? You ever make the perfect catch, the perfect dive, perfect throw, perfect shot, whatever your athleticism was, you ever do that? Do you notice right at the point you were doing that, there was really no thought or effort on your part? You just saw yourself making that play and you were just, you are you with me? Who's with me? Okay. When that happened, you experienced your intuitive self. Does that make sense? When you've had one of those experiences, if you've cared to, now follow the rest of this reading. Yes. We of agnostic temperament have had these thoughts and experiences. So if you acknowledge that experience, congratulations, you've had your encounter. Now we're we're empowered to enact a decision, and we're going to move through here. Does that make sense? Okay. Let us make haste to reassure you we found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves... We commenced to get results even though it was impossible for any of us to fully define or comprehend that power, which is God. That power that we all experienced right there when we asked you to have that experience, that power is God. If you'll take that much on faith based on their witness and then we move further in the process, that power will prove itself to you through you. 
That's kind of good news, isn't it? Okay. So it says, much to our relief, we discovered we did not need to consider another's conception of God. Why not? None of us can fully define or comprehend that power, and God is not a conception. Notice how they never said the great conceptions found deep inside of you, did they? They said, no, the great reality is found inside you. Everything else may be a conception, but he is not. Make sense? Our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and effect contact with him. As soon as we admitted the possible existence of a creative intelligence, a spirit of the universe underlying the totality of things, we began to be possessed by a new sense of power and direction, provided we took other simple steps. So they're witnessing, they had this encounter, and they started experiencing a new sense of power and direction, provided they took other simple steps. What do you imagine those are? Yeah, we're in two, so perhaps three through 12. Got some direction right there, didn't you? Okay. Understand three through 12, repeat, three through 12, repeat, encounter, walk, yeah? Okay, we found that God does not make, <laughs> make too hard terms with those who seek him. To us, the realm of the spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. It is open, we believe, to all men. When, therefore, we speak to you of God, we mean your own conception of God. So even though God is not a concept, we start with your concept because the experience will change your mind. Does that make sense? And your conception of God it is not as important as God's conception of you. Does that make sense? You will grow in your perspective when you are moving in his manner of living. Okay. This applies, too, to other spiritual expressions which you find in this book. Do not let any prejudice you may have against spiritual terms deter you from honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. So anything you find in here, if it troubles you, get a dictionary and look up the meaning of the word that troubles you. You may have assigned it a meaning they didn't intend or whatever. But this was the collective testimony of the first 100. They agreed on every word. So you don't want to change the words. You want to change your mind. And it's not their job to change your mind. You're going to start working with the power within you to get into something that makes logical sense to you and move into. Does that make sense? You can't move into a conscious relationship without moving into it consciously. You need to be able to examine it with your logical senses. That's why the case is laid out the way it is. The guy was a stock analyst. It's more logically to believe than not to believe based on my experience. I started as an atheist, then went agnostic. Now I'm a believer. I'm absolutely certain that my creator lives in me and lives through me. That's how what happened. Okay. All right, so do not, oh, what did I do? At the start, this was all we needed to commence spiritual growth, to affect our first conscious relation with God as we understood him. Now, guys, over the years, people have said this is a God of my understanding, but that's not what they said. What they said was, I had my encounter, 
Then I started moving in the process, and I started having my first conscious relation. I was aware that I was aware that there was a power animating in and through me that was not me. Now, does that sound confusing to some of you? I mean, I, you're looking at me like I got two heads. How many of you have found that you sometimes act kinder than you're thinking? Is that change for you? How many of you have been able to override bad thoughts and move in positive directions? What is that but a power greater than you operating through you? isn't that mystical, right? I just have to start learning what's going on within me, yes? Okay. So it says, so it's not a God of my understanding, it's God as they understood him, and that's a conscious presence in and on me. Does that make sense? And then I'm trying to, I'm trying to get what they got, and I'm willing to go to any lengths to get it, so I need to have this experience, and then why would I start improving consciousness later if I haven't had my first conscious experience, yes? Okay. So, afterward, we found ourselves accepting many things which then seemed entirely out of reach. So how many, as you've grown in this, started reading religious books and started finding similar experiences that were much older than 80 years? And, wow, that kind of happened to me, too. Any of you had those experiences? Okay. How many of you believe differently today than you did on day one coming out of your addiction? How many of you are living a life way better than you ever dreamed of back then? And you really didn't have a hell of a lot for picking this deal. Okay. That was growth, but if we wished to grow, we had to begin somewhere, so we used our own conception, however limited it was. Don't quit because I don't believe. That's why we don't do all those different recovery paths here. This does work if you will simply serve. And if you don't keep serving, you may not get high again, but you definitely will suffer again. Because it's the only way I can employ my musty past to make sense of the life I've lived. Okay. So we needed to ask ourselves but one short question. So you're ready for a second step? You do this in a mirror all by yourself. Look yourself in the eye. You don't have to do this with anybody. This is your encounter. Do I now believe... Or am I even willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself? And just get honest with yourself. And all I want to say to any of you who are looking at that and go, well, I'm not even sure I believe or I'm willing to believe. And all I would say to you is if you're not willing to believe that there is a power greater than you and you're in a recovery room, you're wasting valuable high time. Because... I don't come to these rooms until alcohol, methamphetamine, cocaine, heroin, fentanyl, maladaptive behavior have become a power greater than me that have put me in places that I lost my freedom to. Yes? No one asks you to believe in a theology. We're just asking you to consider you may be whipped. Because the first step of recovery is very much linked to the second. I don't seek a healing until I know I'm broke. But once I know I'm broke and there's nowhere to go from here, I'm willing to believe there's a healer and I've already encountered said healer. And then the process will help me with the healing. Does that make sense? 
As soon as a man can say he does believe or is willing to believe, we emphatically assure him that he's on his way. Why could they be so emphatic? How many of you have talked to somebody about this power and you have shared the signature of the Spirit with them? How many of you have got that signature back when they started having revelations and they didn't even know what was happening in them? That's how I can emphatically assure you you're on your way. If I get the signature, you don't have to know what that is. That's my job to call to your attention. That, what you're feeling, that's the power we call God. Does this make sense? It's been repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone, a wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. Guys, don't miss this. One cannot build an effective structure without a solid cornerstone. You're going to have to come to believe in something tangible, and that is the encounter we're talking to you about. Does that make sense? How many of you have built something on sand and then the water came and it went away? So we want to, we want to build on something solid, do we not? If I'm going to recreate my life. How many of you recreated your life numerous times? Would you like to quit doing that and just go from here? <laughs> then let's get you on a foundation. Okay? That was great news to us, for we assumed we could not make use of spiritual principles unless we accepted many things on faith which seemed difficult to believe. Anyone like that in the room? Am I making logical sense to somebody who has had trouble coming to believe or just rejected it? That's all I want to know. If I am, does it make sense that there's a process that's logically I can move into? And at any point, I can turn and go the other way. If I'm not getting radically better, radically delivered from where I was, then I can definitely go back and get high and just cash it all in. Yes? Okay. So when people presented us with spiritual approaches, how frequently did we all say, I wish I had what that man has. I'm sure it would work if I could only believe as he believes. But I cannot accept as surely true the many articles of faith which are so plain to him. How many of you had that experience? You met somebody, they were inspirational, and you thought, man, I'd be cool if I, if I had your foundation, I'd be cool. Anyone thought that? If you can recognize it, you already have it. All we're trying to do is wake you up. Does that make sense? Okay, some of you are feeling that. Who's feeling that? Somebody got delivered again, didn't you? Okay. So it was comforting to learn that we could commence at a simpler level. Anyone ever tell you God meets you where you are? This is the 20th century, 21st century model explaining to you that's exactly how it goes down. Wherever you are in your beliefs, in your living, whatever, when you're done, acknowledge this. And we'll show you how to walk in power for the rest of your life. Make sense? Okay. So besides the seeming inability to accept much on faith, we often found ourselves handicapped by obstinacy, sensitiveness, and unreasoning prejudice. Any of you ever found yourself handicapped by those things? So obstinacy is me rejecting an idea before I give it a test flight. Which, interestingly enough, I never did in my chemical search. <laughs> some of you, some like-minded individuals, huh? Um, sensitiveness. How many of you have 
There were years ago, people used to say it in the rooms. They'd say, I'm sensitive because I'm alcoholic. Any of you heard it? You're not sensitive because you're alcoholic, dude. But because of your sensitivity, your alcoholism is killing you. Why do you think I want to improve consciousness? I outgrow sensitivity when I awaken. Does that make sense? And then it says unreasoning prejudice. How many of you have just, from the way someone talked, you knew you didn't want to talk to them? How about the way they looked? I don't like sons of bitches like that. Don't know nothing about them. Okay. Many of us have been so touchy that even a casual reference to spiritual things made us bristle with antagonism. This sort of thinking had to be abandoned. Though some of us resisted, we found no great difficulty in casting aside such feelings. Faced with alcoholic destruction, we soon became as open-minded on spiritual matters as we had tried to be on other questions. In this respect, alcohol was a great persuader. How many of you, when you really were tore up, needed any persuasion to look for a different way? Right? So alcohol, methamphetamine, we're not here to argue with you about whether you should continue to use alcohol, drugs, or what have you. If that's what you, you know, go forth and shoot heroin like a gentleman, by all means. <laughs> but if you're perplexed and you don't want to do it anymore, then we're going to introduce you to a reasonable teacher within you, and then we'll walk with you while you get to know him. Make sense? Okay, so it finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. Sometimes this was a tedious process. We hope no one else will be prejudiced for as long as some of us were. The reader may still ask why he should believe in a power greater than himself. So they knew there was some lingering doubt. I will tell you, no matter what your belief or what it's grounded in, you will experience doubt. Humans experience doubt. That's okay. We express our honest doubt and prejudice. That's how we grow together in community. Does that make sense? We think there are good reasons. Let's have a look at some of them. The practical individual of today is a stickler for facts and results. Nevertheless, the 20th century readily accepts theories of all kinds, provided they're firmly grounded in fact. We have numerous theories, for example, about electricity. Everybody believes them without a murmur of doubt. Why this ready acceptance? So why is it that everybody nowadays believes in electrical theory? Because I got the shit shocked out of it. <laughs> Sean is saying in his eloquent way that he has experienced its effects. Have any of you similarly experienced the effects of electrical theory? Do you understand how intentional these authors are being? They're telling you where all their doubt and prejudice lay. They didn't like religious people. They didn't like religious ideas. So they're teaching you, we don't expect you to believe in anything you can't first experience and then move into consciously. So just like you don't understand electrical theory, you do have faith in it because we've come to rely upon it. True? So that tells you you can come to believe in something you can't see, and you do have an element of faith. Yep. Is that fair enough? Yep. 
Some of you are feeling that. Who's feeling that? So if we got those two things, that's it. We're ready to move mountains. Okay. So simply because it's impossible to explain what we see, feel, direct, and use without a reasonable assumption as a starting point. So where am I going to start from now on when people say God? Power from where? From within. How about that? Everybody nowadays believes in scores of assumptions for which there's good evidence, but no perfect visual proof. And does not science demonstrate that visual proof is the weakest proof? Is that true for us today? Yes. Especially in the digital age. You don't even know when you're looking right at it, whether it's real. How many of you believe in Bigfoot because you've seen it on the computer? <laughs> Unicorns? Just check it. It's being constantly revealed as mankind studies the material world that outward appearances are not inward reality at all. So sometimes what I see is not what's up. Yes? The prosaic steel girder is a mass of electrons whirling around each other at incredible speed. These tiny bodies are governed by precise laws, and these laws hold true throughout the material world. Science tells us so. We have no reason to doubt it. When, however, the perfectly logical assumption is suggested that underneath the material world and life as we see it, there is an all-powerful guiding creative intelligence, right there our perverse streak comes to the surface and we laboriously set out to convince ourselves it isn't so. Any of you found yourself there vacillating between what you wanted to believe and what you're hearing somebody else saying and but we do know that these whirling, of, whirling mass of electrons whirling around is a real thing, or we think we know that, yeah? Like we see, there's a roof overhead. I don't see a light body, I see a roof, but what I know it to be. How many of you know that we're in that same body of whirling mass of electrons? But we seem to be separate, don't we? But are we separate? How come I know what you're feeling sometime? Must be, connected, must be connected somehow, perhaps in the spirit. Make sense? There's one who has all power, that one is. That's what they said. Okay. We read wordy books and indulge in windy arguments thinking we believe this universe needs no God to explain it. Does that make any sense? All this perfection, everything has to be just so. I came into it unaware, and all of it was here set up to sustain me, and I don't need to believe there was some power that did that? No? I mean, it doesn't make any logical sense, does it? It's good to see you, man. Were our contentions true, it would follow that life originated out of nothing, means nothing, and proceeds nowhere. Instead of regarding ourselves as intelligent agents, spearheads of God's ever-advancing creation, we agnostics and atheists chose to believe that our human intelligence was the last word, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and end of all. Then they said, rather vain of us, wasn't it? And so we need to de deconstruct that to make sure we're with them. How many of you consulted your parents prior to coming into awareness Brian thinks he did. 
You were raised in Utah too, right? <laughs> Not no disparaging, you know. Um, so most of us, except for Brian, really didn't have anything to do informing the decision of our arrival here on Earth, or who our parents were, or what we. Yeah, most of us don't know that. How many of you did a lot of stuff that you watched other people die from? Ever wonder why not you? It's interesting, because I don't know the beginning, and I don't know the end, and if you're anything like me, I don't know a hell of a lot about a bunch of time in the middle. I got any drinkers in here? You guys ever lose a decade or two? Just... No shit, three. So the reason they thought it was rather vain is clearly I ain't the alpha and the omega. I don't know nothing about the beginning. I don't know nothing about the end. And I'm barely awake through most of the middle. Yeah? All right. So it says, we who have traveled this dubious path beg you to lay aside prejudice. If those things are true, take a minute to lay aside what you think and move into the experience and see what happens. What do you got to lose by the time you end up in this situation, yeah? Even against organized religion, because we have preconceived notions there too. And not just people who don't like organized religion, people who claim to be a part of organized religion have preconceived notions, right? Okay. We have learned that whatever the human frailties of various faiths may be, those faiths have given purpose and direction to millions. Not the theology, the faith. Does that make sense? People of faith have a logical idea of what life is all about. Have you noticed as you grew in your faith, seeing you could put your past to use, that some of the things that happened to you that you didn't appreciate much at the time are starting to make sense to you now? Then you must be people of faith because you have a logical idea of what life's all about. Even if you wouldn't call yourself a people of faith, there, there's the evidence. Okay? Actually, we used to have no reasonable conception whatever. We used to amuse ourselves by cynically dissecting spiritual beliefs and practices when we might have observed many spiritually minded persons of all races, colors, and creeds were demonstrating a degree of stability, happiness, and usefulness which we should have sought ourselves. Instead, we looked at the human defects of these people and sometimes used their shortcomings as a basis of wholesale condemnation. Have you ever just had a bad experience with recovery or with churches and just said, miss me? We talked of intolerance while we were intolerant ourselves. Isn't that weird? See, I'm not capable of seeing anything beyond my own thoughts until I'm directed by a power greater than me. So when I see your intolerance... I'm probably seeing mine. Any of you ever found yourself saying, don't judge me, and then realized in the moment you were judging that they were even thinking about you at all? There's a pretty good chance that no one thinks about us quite as often as we think about us. So we miss the reality and the beauty of the forest because we were diverted by the ugliness of some of its trees. We never gave the spiritual side of life a fair hearing. 
So that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to, we're trying to give it to you in a logical way so you can walk into it without offending your sensibilities and you can just move consciously on your pace and just start acknowledging this power and do some of these simple disciplines and see what happens. Does that make sense? Okay. So I'm going to get to the middle of that page and I'm going to jump because I don't want to run clear out of time before I tell you one more story. It says, on one proposition, however, these men and women are strikingly agreed. First 100, their story of the first several thousands. It's the book of their testimony. You with me? So the first 100 who agreed to write this book and their experience with the first several thousand, they're all agreed. They've all come into agreement on this point. Every one of them has gained access to and believes in a power greater than himself. This power has, in each case, accomplished the miraculous, the humanly impossible. It says, as a, the American, a celebrated American statesman put it, let's look at the record. Here are thousands of men and women worldly indeed. They flatly declare that since they've come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude toward that power, and to do certain simple things, there's been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. How many of you could use a revolution in the way you were living and thinking? How many of you have been in recovery for a while and find that you need a reset from time to time? Okay. In the face of collapse and despair, in the face of the total failure of their human resources, they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. This happened soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. What do you think those are? I'm in two, probably going to enact a decision, do a searching and fearless moral inventory of me because my consciousness of this power and purpose in my life has been obscured by calamity, what I was like, pomp, what I'm still like from time to time. Worship of other things, yeah? And then I'm going to sit down and talk to somebody else, and I'm going to sort them out in the order that I need to prosecute them. Then I'm going to go make approaches and start making amends for harms done, which is going to get me fit enough to serve. And I'm going to start growing in conscious relation through disciplines of prayer and meditation, watching my thoughts, and when I come up with selfish, dishonest thoughts, ask that they be removed, turn my thoughts to someone I can help, get redirected, right? Start serving. Does it make sense? Okay. So, I had that sense of ease and comfort that came at once by taking a few drinks. Remember that? And you to bring to consciousness right now what it feel like to go get hooked up with whatever you chased in there? So no one suggested to stay abstinent. If you can still bring that to consciousness, we suggested... You switch your focus. If you're going to be dependent anyway, then let's be dependent on the power to live within each and every one of us. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, if we're all in agreement, I don't know if we can do much else. <laughs> you know what? Let's get out of here. Thank you very much.